This is the Truth Network. Hidden treasures of the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Oh, what a treasure is the fourth verse of the eighth chapter of the Song of Solomon. We get to dig, dig, dig. <laughs> this is so amazing. Again, I, I am just oh, so delighted. And we're, uh, the things that I'm learning uh, about this is just, it blows my mind. I learned so much about the whole Song of Solomon today. And I hope you'll see this as well. As I've titled this one, uh, <laughs> you know, why get naked unless you're in front of the kinsman redeemer? <laughs> you know, that's just the, um, what, where you go with this verse. So I'll read it in English. And again, I, 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 I think that the words that aren't in here and should be in here and all have a great deal to do with a clearer understanding of it. So, but it reads in the King James version, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up nor awake my love until he please. And of course, that sounds identical to what was said in the second chapter after his left hand was under our head and his right hand doth embrace us. And of course, it was said again exactly like that in the third chapter, right after we held him and would not let him go until we take him into our mother's house. And so I find it interesting that in each of the three times that this is said, it has happened right after an embrace. So I, I think that's key to note. And then... Um, you know, the other thing that is absolutely huge to note about this verse is that the King James translates it much differently than the Jews translate it, nor the young literal translation, nor even Webster translated it because there's words that they did not put in here, which is a shame because the way that it reads both in the Jewish translations as well as in Webster's translation is, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, why stir not up nor awake? Or no, it's actually why twice. Why stir not up? Why awake my love until he please? And so there's some fantastic words here, okay? <laughs> and the first word I'm going to jump in on is the one that just sends me to a place of delight that's unbelievable. So the word that's translated please at the very end of the verse in all three cases is the word delight. And a careful study of that word you will find that word is very much related to Boaz, very much related to the kinsman redeemer, both in Deuteronomy and then again in Ruth, that when, you know, the whole idea of marrying your brother's wife is not supposed to happen unless you're delighted to do that. And the word delight in Hebrew ends with the letter Zadik, which means it needs to be right, right? I mean, how can you have this relation? How can you have sweet communion and it truly be sweet if it's not? Right. Okay. And so it's important to note that the end game here is that this is going to bring light. That's what it has to do with righteousness always brings light, not darkness. And so at the end of this relationship, at the end of this communion, we need to actually delight. And the idea of that is it begins with the letter het, which is our word that begins the word statutes, what has to do with union. Okay. And then the second letter is a pay, which would indicate the presence or the mouth. You know, so <laughs> we got union with someone's mouth or union with someone's presence in righteousness, okay? And so it needs to be absolutely right. But the neat thing about this is you think about the kinsman redeemer stories, right? That, that in order for um, 
the love to be right, that the, the, the lover has to be doing it to bring light, not to just bring sex, okay? Just to bring light. And, and, and that light will come in the form of uh, babies. I mean, that's hopefully what's going to happen into a marriage that's the right thing to do. Okay, then the other thing that I really found just fascinating as I studied this verse deeper because I thought, you know, here it's interesting that now we've graduated, not unlike, <laughs> you know, we talked about the head that's not being raised and the teeth that are no longer freshly shorn. You know, here the daughters of Jerusalem have graduated. They're no longer uh, spoken of by the idea of a metaphor of, of con- comparing them to, you know, roadkill or you know, rows and hinds of the field that get so, you know, charged up with the sex drive that they'll run in front of cars. Okay. We're no, we're no longer roadkill. Um, so the daughters have now graduated where, where the, you know, the, the, um, bride is trying to reason with them and ask them why. And so I think it's critical that we see that that word is in there. Why it's, it's, it's a, it's a mem and a hay. And it's in there twice that, it, again, it's not translated into the King James Version for whatever reason, but it is in the Young's, it is in the Jewish. So here, the, wet, the you got to ask, why is this why here? And I, and I believe that it's because the, the bride is asking the daughters to reason with me here. Why would you do this? And, and the other thing that just blows me away is this idea of a stir or awaken, which the words are very, very close. They both start with the letter ion, which has to do with being yoked to something <laughs> or seeing something. A- and then you have, in one case, a yud, which has to do with light coming down, or above, both of which are light coming down, and then a resh, meaning that it's, it's somehow or another connecting your head to what you're seeing. And interestingly, it's very much connected to the word naked. And it's not only connected to the word naked, um, but, but the idea is, and, and I've never seen this before until this morning, which I've got to study in this. I don't want to send you too far afoot, but the word that's translated naked in Genesis, when they, you know, when they were naked and they weren't ashamed, that's a different word <laughs> than the word naked after they realized that they were naked. And the difference between those words is almost like the difference between the stir and awakening here. They're both forms of the word naked. Um, is, is that word naked in Hebrew is that same idea of an ayin and either a yud or a vav and then a resh. And, and of course, you may have heard that the naked woman's body, I, I think it was somebody by the name of Blake that said the naked woman's body is more the, of eternity than a man's eye can behold. And, and those of us who are men out there know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And, and so, you know, when a woman gets naked, you know, that's more of eternity that then, then they can behold. And, and again, if this isn't bringing light, if the idea of this isn't that this union is right, then don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't stir or awaken. Don't, don't get naked unless you're with the kinsman redeemer. Don't awaken it until it's absolutely right. And it's delightful. Okay. So this has obviously all sorts of sexual connotations to it that are exactly right. We need to not do this until we're married and ready to have babies that would come into Christ and all that kind of thing. But the other thing about this is I really started to think, 
you know, when we're getting naked, there's, there are again, two kinds of naked, the naked where you're not ashamed and there's a naked where you are ashamed. Okay. And, and, and we don't want to go either way. You know, we want to do, uh, we want to, we want to get our nakedness, both the shame nakedness and our, and the beauty of our nakedness in front of the kinsman redeemer who can sort that all out for us and help us to be fruitful. Right. And the idea of the kinsman redeemer will delight in us. You know, it leads to these other questions of like, when you go to tell somebody your story, anybody your story, to an extent, you're getting naked with them. And there's times that that's just not right because they're, they're listening to your story, not for reasons of trying to bring light. They're, they're, they're listening to it, you know, in order to, um, gossip, you know, so you got to be careful with your story sometime. And, 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 you know, when you're, you know, out on a date and you're really getting intimate in discussions with people, you, you want to make sure that that's done for the right reasons to bring light, not, not in order to, um, satisfy yourself. I guess that's a, that's a good way to put it, that here's a really interesting, beautiful understanding of, you know, that nakedness arouses. It just does. And it does, whether that's intimate conversation that is talking about intimate things, or if it's just, you know, obviously physical nakedness. And of course it relates completely to the idea of idolatry because, you know, if you look back in history, idolatry so many times was, you know, connected to promiscuity. I mean, you know, when they were worshiping Baal and all these babies and all this stuff that, you know, all was people were naked and doing crazy things. Okay. And really, when you think about what you're doing, when you're worshiping an idol, whatever that idol may be, is you're becoming intimate with it and you're trying to be covered your nakedness with something that's wrong. And so, you know, I can't help but go back to Scientology because, you know, in my case, for those of you who know me well, know I was involved in Scientology years and years and years ago. And of course, I was trying to get my nakedness covered. But what I did not understand was that their demons were not you know, wanting to get me to be intimate with them so that they could uh, bring light, but so that they could bring darkness, right? They wanted me, and, and, and again, Scientology, when you get into all the processing and the discussions that you have about, you know, your life and the deep things of your life, believe me when I tell you, it's very intimate stuff. And, and to do that with the idea of deceiving you further into worshiping yourself, right? That, that you're the false God that Scientology is going after. And at the end of it, you're going to think you're God. That's why, you know, they talk about that clear people in Scientology have all these superpowers because the idea is, you know, if you work on it hard enough, you can become God. And, and again, what would that do? Bring unbelievable darkness. And so, you know, this verse has all kinds of applications. The more I think about it, and of course, I got to do a lot more study in Genesis on the two different kinds of naked and think more about that. It's just absolutely beautiful. But I, I love, love, love where I see this going. In other words, when it comes to the actual idea of our union spiritually, we need the kinsman redeemer in order to do that. And he has to be delighted in order for that to happen. And it's a process. It isn't something that just happens in a minute. I mean, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of time with the Savior. It takes a lot of time in the Word to begin to understand the process properly. That doesn't mean you can't receive salvation as soon as you realize that you're a sinner and you're given it. But I'm just saying that there is a further kind of intimacy that you grow 
as you become sanctified in the Lord and you, as you become more delighted and more righteous. And, and so, you know, there's lots of stuff to think about today. And I just love this verse. And I'm so grateful for your listening. Again, we have this Facebook group, which is the podcast listeners at, at Christian Car Guy on Facebook. Uh, and would love your comment on or feedback or your thoughts about what I'm saying. Um, again, feel free to argue with me or wherever you want to go. <laughs> I would love to know. Uh, I'd love to enter into that discussion because I'm sure we can both learn. Because my idea here, however it works, is I just want to bring light. I want to do this right. And, and I pray um, that we will bring his light more, um, that, that we will be fruitful. I ask this, uh, that I'm so grateful that you listen. God bless.